Hi, and welcome back to our online edition of our worship. And uh, I just want to thank uh, Kyle and Macy Tanner uh, for leading us in worship and uh, to be able to um, be broadcasting into your home like this uh, through uh, our YouTube, cha YouTube channel. What a blessing it is. And um, I just thank you for tuning in. Uh, this morning we're going to be in James chapter 5 and uh, we're going to read uh, verses 13 through 18 and um, I want to just put a disclaimer out there if I might uh, as I begin this this message I um, it probably applies to the next message as well uh, out of James but um, I do not claim to be an expert uh, in the practice of prayer uh, it's a constant struggle uh, for me, and I don't want it to, to convey that I have somehow arrived. Um, but I want all of us, uh, wherever we're at, to join together in the journey to becoming a, a God-focused and God-dependent community of praying believers. So I believe there's some dangers in, in speaking about prayer. And the first one is that some folks make it sound so hard to do that it's like intimidating, that somehow we don't want to do it because it's so hard or we can't figure it out. And You know, I imagine the scene of maybe a prayer warrior wrestling with God, you know, and his eyes are, are focused in the distance and uh, his closing prayer is full of strangled emotion and maybe, uh, you know, semi-sobs. But the idea is, is that somehow we think that prayer is this very hard thing to do. Uh, the second danger is just the opposite of that. The, the speaker uh, is so laid back and cool and assuring us that prayer is a breeze and that we can pray anywhere and anytime for anything. You know, and, and one illustration might be of like finding a place to park the car. Um, and the whole spirit is one of relaxed chumminess with God. And so... You know, I, I think that somehow we we feel that way. You know, I was reading this week about Terry Johnson of Savannah, and, and he speaks of his deliverance from that kind of praying, that easy praying. He had been uh, converted in Southern California, and he became an intern in a church uh, in Scotland. And uh, he knew the essentials of small group uh, discipleship and scripture responses, and he felt very prepared for any kind of prayer meeting and as Terry arrived at the church the minister was out because of illness and uh, Terry had to step in on Sunday morning and preach but before the service there was about 15 people that were gathered there together to pray and this is what Terry says Terry says when it looked like all who were coming were present they got up uh, they turned and faced their chairs and they knelt down on their knees and they began to pray. He said, though this was a, a working class congregation, and though none of those present were college educated, or maybe even a few of them were functionally illiterate, he said, I soon realized that I was in over my head, that something was seriously amiss because I had never heard such prayers. He said they were full of God, they were full of scripture, they were full of passion, they were full of reverence, and full of humility. He said my prayers by comparison had always been uh, of the trite, uh, self-centered, too casual, and too familiar variety. 
He said the the spiritual maturity of their prayers exposed my own spiritual poverty. See, the God that they knew was almost a different God. I think that's the way it is with prayer because prayer reflects the prayer. Prayer reflects the prayer. You know, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he used to say the one urge that we should never, that should never be resisted is the urge to pray. There are lots of urges in our life that need to be resisted, but the urge to pray should never be resisted, but rather it should be cultivated. And that's what James is telling us in our passage today, that prayer is always appropriate. And uh, I want to I want to look at this for just a few moments with with you, if if we might. It's in uh, James chapter five, uh, verses thirteen through eighteen, and and this is what uh, James writes, Pastor James. He said, "Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick?" Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray with one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, for urging us and and calling us to times of prayer. And I ask, Father, that you would challenge our hearts, that, Father, we would search our innermost being. Father, that your Holy Spirit would shine lights in the corners of our hearts. And, Father, that those areas where we are not fully committed to you, uh, Father, that we would confess that to you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us of all truth. Guide us as we study your word, and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, you notice in this passage, if you look at James 5, uh, going back up in this chapter, uh, verses 7 through 12, you know, the word patience is mentioned seven times. And in verses 13 through 18, the word prayer is mentioned seven times. So James is going back to a pattern in which he introduced us to at the very beginning of the book. And, And really it talks about this, how do we... As Christians hang on during our trials during the things that that come up in our lives you know James would say that uh, we need to be patient not only do we need to be patient but we also need to pray you know as one old pilot like maybe Phil Covington would put it uh, so what you're saying is James's message is this hang on and call for air support (laughs) I mean well yeah 
with something like that. It's not only to persevere uh, with a patient endurance that, that looks for the coming of Christ, to weather every storm with that forward-looking watchfulness set on the coming of Jesus Christ, but it is also to do so expressing your faith transparently, you know, in God's sovereign and good providence for you by praying to Him and you show your trust in Him through prayer. See, patience and prayer are combined here again. You know, it's interesting because the word communion, it literally means unity, empathy, closeness, intimacy, and relationship. So prayer is communion with God. It is either thanksgiving for what God has done, or it's an effort to influence uh, people and the course of events by calling on the power of God in prayer. You see, our, our Christian life, our entire Christian life is to be lived in communion with God, the good and the bad. And it's demonstrated by our prayer. See, I want you to notice four things with me, if you will, in this passage and from this passage. In verse 13, I want you to notice the praying Christian. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Notice the praying Christian. God often allows troubles and trials in our lives for no other reason that, than that we will learn to call upon him in faith and to be able to give him praise because he has proved himself faithful in our trials. The Greek word here uh, that James uses for suffering refers to any difficulty. I mean, James used the noun in, in verse 10 when he says, As an example, brethren, of the suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He uses the same word for suffering there in the, in the things that the, the, the prophets went through, their, their, their suffering. And so James's readers, if you remember, uh, he was writing to some people who were suffering because of their Christian witness, because of their Christian testimony. And so he is, he is writing to them and he says, you know, the, the Greek word there refers to any difficulty that they may be going through. This word can refer to all types of problems that we encounter in our life, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial or even relational. So this word suffering could mean dealing with a relationship. It could mean dealing with a financial issue or an emotional issue or, or spiritual, whatever it may be. And as we've seen, becoming a Christian does not exempt us from trials. Uh, if anything, it seems to bring more trials into our lives. But you know, when, you're, when your car needs repair, do you pray uh, for the mechanic to do good work? Or when you need medical care, do you pray uh, that the doctor would have wisdom in what to do? Or when you go to make a major purchase or you face financial issues, do you pray that God would give you wisdom to be a good steward of the, uh, the resources that he has entrusted to you? Or maybe when you gather with your family members for the holidays, 
those who are lost, do you pray for opportunities to witness to them? You see, in every situation of life, God allows problems so that we will learn to depend on Him in prayer. To truly practice Christ's presence in in our lives means turning to God and appealing to Him both in the good times and in the bad. I would submit to you this morning that praying people must be unselfish people. Especially if we are praying and asking God, we've got to be unselfish. If you remember in in James 4, uh, James wrote this. He said, you lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. My point is this, is if we are a praying people, then we will be an unselfish people. When we pray with selfish motives, we can't expect God to answer that prayer. He says you you ask because and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So if we're going to be a praying people, we're going to have to be an unselfish people. And we need to understand that because he's not going to ask our he's not going to answer our prayer just so that we can consume it on our own lusts. That's not that's not how God works. But we just need to get that clear that a praying people must be unselfish people. Notice also in verse 13 that James uses the word cheerful, which simply means merry or of good spirits. And we're urged to make the presence and the help of Christ give it top priority in our thoughts, even in our happy times. You know, he may be our go-to person when times are tough and when the chips are down. And and what James is saying, he says, if if you are, um, I'm on the wrong page, here we go. If anyone is among you is suffering, then he must pray. But he says, if anyone's cheerful, he's to sing praises. Still reaching out to God. I mean, we're to turn those happy times into a sanctuary of praise and worship. I mean, James characterizes this by, by urging them in action, to, toward action. He urges them to sing praises, to give God thanks and to exalt Him in our times of happiness and sheer joy with songs of praise. Have you ever just gotten some really good news and burst out into a praise song? I mean, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about giving God the praise when things are right, when things are good. See, the word James uses for this is uh, literally means to move by a touch or a twitch. And it was usually applied to the action of like striking a string of a musical instrument. And so it became a figure of speech for playing or singing music. Now, in the New Testament, the word has something of the idea of some effort and thought being expended in what you are doing. Okay, so when we're talking about singing praises, we're talking about doing something of action. Isn't it interesting that James didn't simply say, if anyone is cheerful, then let him be thankful to God. Instead, he called upon us to do something that is more formal and action-oriented than that. 
To sing a song of praise to God requires that we think about what we're doing and think about what we're saying. Not only that, but also inviting others to join in with our praise. I mean, how cool is that? That we, when times are good, we can make it an opportunity to to praise God and to really invite others into that. Now, moving on, we've looked at the praying Christian. Now, I encourage you in verses 14 and 15 to, to notice the praying elders. Okay, praying people must be a believing people. Praying people must be a unselfish people, but they also must be a believing people. See, James is, is simply calling on us to practice the presence of God in all the different twists and turns of life. And here, particularly at times when we are under the trial of illness. When we are under the trial of illness, as a matter of our first priority, we are to turn to God and to rely on His sovereignty and help and His providence, His care for us. James says that when we are ill, we should show our consciousness of the presence of God in that we do three things. The first thing he tells us that we need to do is to call on the leaders of the local church, the elders, and ask them to intercede for us in prayer. And they are to come and pray over the sick person, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Secondly, he says that we are to present ourselves to our spiritual leaders and allow them to assist us in searching our heart so that we could confess any known sin and entrust ourselves to the sovereign hand of God. And lastly, third, he says, take your medicine in the context of God's divine help allowing that healing to take place. See, I think this is huge. In every situation, we are to learn to live with a God-word and God-dependent focus. Now, I want to call your attention as well to the praying friends. We've seen the praying Christian. We've seen the praying elders. And now notice the praying friends. These praying friends... And it's possible that our prayers feel useless because maybe God has shut us out. And here's what I mean by that. Let me tell you a story, a funny story about Norman Vincent Peale. When he was a boy, he found a a big uh, black cigar. And uh, he, he found it on the street, so he slipped into an alley and he lit it up. He said it didn't taste good. But it made him feel very grown up until he saw his father coming. So quickly he put the cigar behind his back and he tried to be casual. And desperate to divert his father's attention, he pointed to a billboard that was advertising a circus that was to come to town. And he said, can I go, Dad? Please, let's go when it, when it comes to town. Let's go to the circus. And his father's reply taught Norman a very important lesson that day that he will never forget. He said, son, in a very quiet but firm manner, he said, son, never make a petition while at the same time trying to hide a smoldering disobedience. Oh, many times we come before the Lord and there may be sin in our life. 
there may be some kind of smoldering disobedience. And we want to make a petition and we want God to answer our prayers, but we're not obedient. We're not being obedient to Him. And we're not only that, we're being deceptive and trying to hide it from Him. You know, God sees right through our charades. He sees right through our hearts and He knows. I would submit this to you this morning, that a praying people must be a people that are right with God. They are to be an unselfish people. They are, they are to be a, a, a people uh, who are believing. They are also to be a people who are right with God. Now in verse 16, 17, and 18, I want you to notice a praying prophet, Elijah. Verse 16, the second half of that says, The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. This is an interesting example of Elijah. But Elijah was just like us. I mean, second only to Moses in esteem in, among first century Jews. Okay, he, he was up there. You have Moses and you have Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet that people in the first century revered. They, they thought he was the man. He was it. He was the prophet of God. And he's mentioned 30 times. Elijah is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament. And, and readers had to be reminded because he had this famous status that he was human just like us. And that's why James says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Folks, any godly person can pray effectively. Any godly person can pray effectively. It is not a superhuman ability. A praying person has to be an unselfish person. A praying person has to be a believing person. A praying person must be right with God. And a praying people don't have to be a perfect people. See, Elijah was very human. You remember that he was prone to depression he was prone to feeling defeated. He had emotions just like we do. But God used him in a powerful way. He prayed for drought. He prayed that God would withhold the rain from the land. And for three and a half years, God did. He prayed again for rain, and then it rained. You see, this, this is related to the passage in 1 Kings 17. And though the prayer is not given in this passage, the length of three and a half years is also uh, not mentioned earlier, but Jesus agrees with James 
In Luke chapter 4, verse 25 and following, it recounts the three and a half years and it talks about what James says. One of the things that he makes known is he says that Elijah prayed earnestly. Literally, it means prayed. <laughs> he prayed with prayer. He prayed earnestly. And it indicates an intensity in prayer. Brothers and sisters, if you want to move the heart of God, then you've got to pray like you mean it. Not these prayers of ice. Not these prayers that are conciliatory or just seem to be like, you know, something that we're going through the motions, the, the, the rote prayers. But prayers that, that, that impact the heart of God are when we pray like we mean it. Like we are praying in all earnesty about this. That we are praying with intensity. Hey, the proof is in the pudding. Elijah received results. He got what he prayed for. There was a drought and there was rain. So I ask you this morning, how effective have your prayers been? Oh, I think it's a great time to examine how we pray and what we pray. And what does that indicate about your relationship with God? If your prayers have not been effective, what does that indicate about your relationship with God? If your prayers have been effective, what does that indicate about your relationship with God? You see, I just want to ask the question, where, where are the present day Elijah's. Oh, there's a cause. Our nation going down the tubes. But we still will not humble ourselves and pray. As a body, we're still worried about what people might think if we get up and we walk down to the front and we prostrate ourselves, prostrate ourselves before the Lord. We're worried about what somebody might think. That, that we, they might think we have sin in our life. Or they might think that, that we're not right with God. Or they might think, they might think, they might think. Where's the intensity? Where's the earnestness? Where are the present day Elijah's? See, prayer is the elevation of the soul to God. And the communion of the soul with God. The force of prayer is the greatest possible force because prayer enables us to tap into God's power and His resources. But God's not interested in our level of sophistication. He's interested in our level of commitment. See, there's plenty of application here for all of us. Let's look at just a little bit of it. I mean, none of us would say, I'll be very brief here, I'm almost done. None of us would say, my prayer life is all that it should be. 
So maybe God is asking us to work prayer into every area of our life. In the good times, in the bad times. Not many of us would say that we are up to par in the praise category. I mean, it may sound contradictory, but it's not. I want to challenge you this morning to work at singing praises to God every day. Put that in there. Work at it. Put some effort into it. Maybe someone needs to call for the elders to pray over them about a debilitating disease or illness. But before you do, examine your heart before God and ask Him to search to see if there is any wicked way in you. You know, some of us may just need to find a godly brother or sister to confess our sins to and to pray with so that we may be healed. See, this morning, I just want to encourage you and challenge you as God puts it on your heart. Respond in obedience and you will be blessed. Let's pray. Loving Father,